has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by screenwriter and blogger. You can find her blog, Abditory Thoughts. I hope I said that word right. I know we just went over it, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Please welcome my dear friend, Isabella Catalano. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Today, we are exploring the world of video games. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, because we've talked about video games on this podcast before, but this is the first time we are talking about the hit video game series, The Last of Us. I'm excited. Good. I'm too. (laughs) I am too. Before we go into the post-apocalypse, I got to ask, have you always been a horror fan? Yes and no. So growing (laughs) up, well, growing up, I have like my dad is like a big horror cinema film like nerd. So from probably too too young of an age, I was exposed to like the that genre of film. So I had to watch a lot of George Romero films actually as a kid, like Halloween and uh time. My dad would put on like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, which Day of the Dead still scares me. Like that scene with the hands going through, like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So freaky. But yeah. And like, I had to know who Tom Savini was, you know, and like Greg Nicotero, Nicotero, I think his name is. Nicotero, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. So I had to watch that. But I think as a kid, it would scare the loving, like the living shit out of me. But like as an adult now, it just gives me like a greater appreciation for horror, you know? Cause like having been exposed to it from a young age, but yeah. And then from there I went into like, I really like Halloween, like John Carpenter movies and they live actually. That's a good one too. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Some background information for everyone listening. Isabella and I have been friends for a few years and she's a huge John Carpenter fan. I can attest to that. (laughs) I, for a long time, I had never seen the fog. And Isabella yes. tried so you. hard, <laughs> so hard to get me to watch it. And she finally won. I watched it I a did. few months ago. I really liked it. You did like it. I know. You only gave it three stars, though. I gave it like three and a half. I thought, I don't remember. <laughs> I'm pulling up my letterbox. Do it. Do it. I I like it. I saw the remake and I, I don't like the remake. Well, Original, John Carpenter so. doesn't miss. True. That's true. John Carpenter is... What did you think of the score? I liked the score for that. It was so good. I liked when shit was going down and and like the drums were pounding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, he's so good. It's tense. Yeah. I gave it, I gave it three and a half. Okay. I think, I think I told you in my John Carpenter listing, it's second to last. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's still a movie I really, really like. I just happen (laughs) to like the other ones I've seen more. (laughs) okay agree to disagree okay but like for me for me it's like halloween is not even my favorite christine's my favorite but halloween's like 
close to a perfect movie. It's one of the greatest horror movies. Yes. Um, I think it's really good. And then it's like the thing has to be way up there. I'm literally wearing a thing shirt right now. You are. Look at that on brand. <laughs> <laughs> and Christine, like I, Christine's my underappreciated gem, I think. I, I feel like I'm the only one, one. Now it's Not my yet. turn to do the hounding. <laughs> yes, yes. You got to do it now. <laughs> but then you also have Escape from New York. I'm a huge yes. fan of In the Mouth of In the Mouth of Madness. I watched that for the first time in 2022 as well. Because I kind of went on a John Carpenter, like, I've only seen a few of his films. I need to see more. So I watched In the Mouth of, In the Mouth of Madness for the first time. I watched mm-hmm. Escape from New York for the first time. I watch The Fog for the first time. I watch Prince of Darkness for the first time. And I think I watched They Live for the first time. Yeah. Because I thought I've seen They Live before. And then I watched it and I was like, I know nothing from this movie other than I came here to <laughs> kick ass and chew bubblegum. Yes. Yes. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So I thought I'd seen They Live, but then I watched it this year in, our, in 2022. And I was like, I don't think I watched it. <laughs> no, no. It's so it's super funny though. I think that's that's the point of it. It's not supposed to be anything like masterful, but it's a fun one. I mean, there's still a lot of John Carpenter films I need to see, so The Fog will Same. not be second to last for long. <laughs> it better not be. I really don't think. I just bit I just went through a lot of his like a lot of the bangers, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like that you bring up George A. Romero because we will talk about The Last of Us and there's definitely zombie vibes in The Last of Us. Mushroom um, zombies. <laughs> a very unique take in my opinion. Yes. But I want to talk to you as a screenwriter for a little bit. Uh, do you take any inspiration from the films of George A. Romero or John Carpenter when you write? I try to like when it comes to like the sense of like tension but like building you know and reveals for like scary moments yes like there's one short film I like I wrote and it all takes place out in like the woods and I tried to like make it be like a slow burn and I because mm. I liked I like that with like Halloween how like John Carpenter does that it's like a slow burn to build the tension and stuff so it's something I think I, I want to work on more and like read more like scripts, especially of like John Carpenter's so I can like get that down. But yeah, because he's definitely like a master at that because you don't really see much of the action in Halloween until like towards the final act. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. No, exactly. Because for me, when I watch Halloween, that first, well, you got that cold open, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah. But other yeah. than that, it's a lot of like tension like you building. said, yeah. uh, world building, atmosphere, yeah. getting to know Laurie Strode and Annie yeah. Brackett and the other one, I forget her name. But you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, this... you get to know the characters. Right. Establishing everything, like the, the characters and the stakes and everything. And uh, the fog, the fog is similar to that, too, because you get mm-hmm. to know those characters. You get to live in their world. And the town. And it, yeah. Yeah. And it feels like a living place. Mm hmm. I promise everyone, I really like The Fog. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've you been a writer for a long time, both a screenwriter and you have your blog, um, Editory mm-hmm. Thoughts. Can you kind of explain your blog for everyone for a little bit? 
Yeah. So on my blog, I post and publish some of my like analysis pieces. I like to have some like little essays on like film. I have one up there of like La La Land and um, I have a bunch more on video games than I do on film. I want to get some more up there on film. And I just kind of break down like their narrative, uh, what themes are in it. Sometimes I talk about uh, like the, this is the piece I just did on The Last of Us. It talks about how cinematic it is. Like it, it is so I, how it might translate well to like film. And yeah, I have some like just creative writing prose pieces up on there too, but I definitely want to focus it more on like my analysis pieces because I find that's the most fun things to like write about the things that you, you enjoy. And then you can learn what they're doing that's working and yeah, share that with everybody. I'm glad you brought up your Last of Us article because I was going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. You did. You did. Uh, speaking of The Last of Us, let's let's hop into that world. Were you a fan of the video game like right away or did it take you a while to get into it? So I came became a fan like a year or two after it released. So I, I can't say I'm like OG OG, but I go back far enough that I could definitely count as that. I went, I found the remastered version. So it originally came out for the PS3 um, and it was remastered for the four. And I found out of it through my cousin who was, um, she was talking to me about, cause I was saying I want to get back into video games. And she was telling me about a game she just played and it was the last of us. And she was telling me the whole story. And I saw how like emotional she was telling me the story. And I was like, damn, like I need, I need to play this, but I didn't have a PS4. So I just watched the gameplay like videos <laughs> on YouTube and I remember just like sitting in my room I was like 15 or 16 I was sitting in my room and I was watching that opening spoilers we're allowed to talk about spoilers right oh yes 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 okay. good call okay. spoilers <laughs> for the entire last of us franchise um obviously not the show because that hasn't come out yet but I'm assuming the video there's gonna follow the video game so yeah spoilers for all of the last of us including part two <laughs> yes but um no i watched that that open of the the prologue you know and like sarah joel's daughter dies and i was just like a wreck i was like a video games never made me cry like that's insane so then i was like i i want to play this so like took me four years three three maybe and i got a ps4 and then i finally got to play it, it was the first game i played um on a ps4 and yeah, I've been a fan ever since. And it kind of inspired me to like, I was like, I want to write stories like this across all mediums. So, yeah. What do you think about The Last of Us like draws you to writing? Is it the world? Is it the characters? I mean, it could be all of it because it's yeah. good at every all of those aspects, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot of everything I I'd say mostly it's the characters just because they're so well crafted and they carry like they propel the narrative you know I know they always say like make your plot simple but your characters complex and I think Last of Us does that so well because it's a pretty simple plot like he's just got to escort this girl across an apocalyptic country and state you know what I mean and mm -hmm. they're but they're the complex characters but no I I think it's a combination of everything because even just the world and the take on that world because it's so that's it could be tropey like we've seen a, a bunch of apocalyptic settings and stories you know but something about the last of us is just like different and um yeah so i definitely i've 
strive to write stuff of that same caliber and quality, especially like taking something that's so like tropey, like I said, and like being able to like make it unique, you know, and mm -hmm. um and heartfelt too and sentimental, you know what I mean? Because that's really tough to pull off. That's why it's like such so impressive that this this is like masterfully done. So I think there's a lot that like I can learn from the plot and the stories. Every time I replay it, I'm like taking mental notes. Like, what could I do to like take notes here? What they did with this and that. Speaking of characters, which character do you gravitate to the most? Oh, I love I love Joel with like mm -hmm. all my heart. He's I love him. I love Ellie, too, though. But I really like Joel just because I think his character is so goes through such a transformation ellie does too but like like it's it's a different type of thing where like he's so grizzled and stuff and you see in the beginning he's just like a normal average like single father and like the progression and stages he goes through is just you can't help but like feel for him you know and i think i don't know it's just like it's a really cool reflection of like parenting and like you think about like what your parents might experience as like for for you as like their child especially if, if we were ever in like a setting like the last of us and um writing a character like him is pretty tough because once again he's like it's a trope like he could be so tropey like a typical like gruff dude in the apocalypse yeah. you know we've we've seen that so many times but he's so like unique in that way but no i i love both of them i think you can't really have one without the other to be honest Joel and Ellie so you can't love one and hate the other or whatnot but because Ellie yeah. is just like Ellie's like the kind of kid that you just like you, everyone wants to be her or you want to be her friend you know like if she was right. real I'd like I'd want her to be my bestie you know <laughs> she's always she's always so lighthearted, you know and stuff and then you can't help but feel for her though when she's like maturing and growing and realizing how dark that world really is you know she has to grow up right so yeah, I love them both, but I gravitate more towards Joel. Well, it's interesting. I, I'll bring it back to Joel for a second, but I want to talk about The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2, how they work together in a sense, because I think Joel is obviously the main character of the first one, the one you play mm -hmm. as, but Ellie is the heart of that yes. first game. And yes. then it's interesting in that second game, which I'm not, oblivious to the controversies people either love it or hate mm -hmm. it which is yes. fine it's fine either way mm -hmm. but i think it's interesting the direction they took because it's ellie's story it's ellie's journey you play as her yep. but joel is the heart of that one yeah it's yeah definitely it kind of like is spun on its head like that yeah when I first played the games, I played them one after the other because I never played the first one. And then the mm -hmm. second one was coming out and I had multiple people tell me to play the first one. The second one's going to be great. And then I did. I bought them both at the same time. I played through the yeah. first one. Then I played through <gasps> the second one relatively quickly because I, I got so immersed. And I mm -hmm. went to all my friends. I was like, those games were the greatest games I've ever played. They are. And half of my friends were half of my friends were like, yeah, and other mm -hmm. and the other half of my friends were like, you like the second one? It was so bad. <laughs> and I was like, because I because I wasn't like paying attention to the reviews yeah. or, or the Twitter. Yeah. Um, because I was too busy playing the game. So I'm like, what do you mean? So after I'd finished, mm -hmm. I go and I was like, oh, 
this yeah. is like last jedi levels of yeah uh, it got it got heated yeah 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 and, and I, I i'm not afraid to say i loved part two and i still do <laughs> good for you i i wish i could say the same i'm i'm still really conf <laughs> i'm still really conflicted on it i feel like i i love what i i like what they were trying to do i don't think the execution landed well i don't know if that's just because of me or if it was just like right. a thing i don't know but i think that was the point but there's bits and pieces i really liked about part two but overall i just it doesn't compare to part one and i know it's supposed to be kind of like the antithesis of part one you know right in a lot of ways so but yeah and i think for a lot of people because when part two came out all of a sudden like a whole bunch of people joined the fandom because it got so big and yeah. people just hopped in similar to like what happened with you like they just played the first and then played the second and i think a lot I'm, of diehard fans i'm part of the problem <laughs> no, no. <laughs> a lot of diehard fans though like that were the ones that didn't like it as much and i think that's just because when you sit there and spend so much time with those characters and then you see kind of like what you were given after like seven ten years of waiting like it was kind of tough to chew and swallow and i know that was the point but i think i think that's why there was so much discourse on it and everyone got so up in arms but it was a lot like the last jedi when uh who was it that died in the last jedi that everyone's upset was it luke it was luke yeah 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 so <laughs> joel was luke in this case you know yeah but yeah but, i mean i don't think i don't i didn't see the last jedi but <laughs> did Luke get his? Like, did did he get as bad a hand as Joel did? Because I mean, did he no. get a golf club to his head? No, while, no, it like... was very different. It was very different. Luke went out on say. his own terms, basically. See, see he sacrificed okay. himself for the greater good. When you take a brave swing, you're gonna piss off yeah. people. Yes, you're gonna make yes. a you're gonna make a lot of people very happy, and you're gonna make a yes. lot of people very angry. But exactly, you, if you don't take those swings, then what's the point? That's true. Right. And you can, and I have heard yeah. people say, like, you don't want to have just, like, another rehash of, like, the same game, like, the first game. And I agree with that. So I know it's hard because there's so there's only so many directions you can take it, especially with it being set in an apocalypse. Like, what are we going to do again? That's uh, so why part of me is, like, I hope they don't make a part three. Like, let's just let it sit. You know what I mean? I don't know. Right. Well, but, they, did t they did wait a while for, between part one and part two. They did. So... But I think a part three will probably take a while just because it takes a long time to make these games. It does, and yeah. the TV show, which is coming out the mm -hmm. weekend this episode is released, that's going to take the spotlight. And it's going to bring in even more people, I think. Definitely. Yeah, I'm expecting that, yeah. I'm really bad when it comes to watching TV. I still haven't I watched... I still have not watched House of the Dragon. I still have not watched Wednesday. Um, I haven't either, so I won't judge you. <laughs> the only TV shows I watched in 2022 was Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Moon Knight, and Andor. Okay. <laughs> I watched... Cool. I, I just started The Mandalorian this, this past year, yeah. so... I started Barry, and I started Ash versus Evil Dead. And I really mm -hmm. like both of them, but I have yet to finish them. <laughs> gotcha. I'm really, oh, 
I, I watched all the Stranger Things. I forgot about that. Oh, same. Yeah, duh, same. Um, <laughs> Everyone watched that. The whole world watched that. <laughs> right. I watched, uh, my grandma and I watched all of season four in one day. <laughs> nice. The that first drop of season dedication. four. Okay. But, um, but I planned for it, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew I, I knew what I was doing that week, and I, I had my people like, you want to hang out? I was like, no. <laughs> That's going to be me with Last of Us. Like, I'm not working. No one talked to me. This is my time. <laughs> exactly. And um, I'm usually like, I- I'm bad when it comes to TV shows that aren't Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Star Wars is like the only thing that I can keep up with. And and even yeah. then, like Andor started in September and I start I started it when it started i didn't watch a single episode in op- october and i had to finish it in november <laughs> oh man but that was more because october i was dedicating to spooky stuff yeah um but i'm i'm really excited for the last of us i'm actually gonna watch every episode when it comes out do it i'm excited how do you feel about the casting of the amazing pedro pascal as joel so when it first was announced, I know you know this, but I didn't know I didn't I didn't know what to think. I was like, Pedro Pesca, the Mandalorian. And then I was like, wait a second. Like literally the plot of Mandalorian is Last of Us but in space. It, like it literally, is. literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. So I was like, maybe he can pull it off, but I have never seen like when he's in Granted, I've only seen the first like two seasons of Mandalorian, but like he never shows his face besides those few like really important moments. So I was like, can he bring like that type of serious like acting for Joel? Because Joel, like it's really a demanding role more than I think that his character is in Mandalorian. So I was like, I don't know. I was very skeptical. But then there was like a leak of him on set. And I saw him in the whole outfit with like the Joel coat. I call it the Joel mm-hmm. coat. It's like the Wrangler jacket. And I was like, holy crap. I think maybe he is Joel. I don't know. And then I, yeah, I saw him in like the trailers and I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm sold. I still, obviously I have to see it, but I think, I think he's going to do good. Well, Pedro Pascal is probably one of the most talented actors working right now. I don't mm-hmm. think you've watched Game of Thrones, but no, I haven't. His role I know in he's that in is really it's fantastic. This yeah. um this is a comedy that I'm about to mention, so it's kind of different. But there's a film was... called the The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with the Nicholas Cage. Yeah, the Nick Cage movie basically, mm-hmm. and Pedro Pascal is the other half of that movie, mm-hmm. and I love Nicholas Cage, and he's great in that movie but that movie don't work without pedro pascal right i have to watch that i've been wanting to watch it i should watch it before the show drops (laughs) it's one of my favorite buddy comedies okay (laughs) i think it's really fun it's really clever and i think pedro pascal delivers one of my favorite comedic performances (laughs) (laughs) but see that was my concern because i'm like all he does is mostly comedy i know he did that netflix thing called like narcos i think narcos is a is like that's drama cartel drama yeah 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 yeah. it's intense so okay but so i was like okay if he he mostly does comedy this is not this is far from comedic role so i i didn't i didn't know what to think but like from what i've seen in the trailers i'm like i think he can bring 
the more serious side you know which will show that he's more right. of a versatile actor i think if he knocks this out of the park i'm gonna become a big stan i'm already on pedro pascal tiktok and i was like <laughs> <laughs> it just happened and i was like i guess i'm here now i will say <laughs> well they do say that comedy is harder than drama yeah yeah so, they do. and when you watch the nick cage movie you can see he can bring the heat because right. um, it's all it's also an action movie so he has to do and oh. then obviously with the mandalorian yes um, definitely spoilers for the mandalorian have you got to the end of season two yet yes i have it's the most whatever the most recent wait which one's the most recent season three's season coming two. out yeah three's oh, coming two. out so when when luke skywalker comes to take baby yoda that's like one of the few times you see Pedro Pascal's face. Yeah. And it's like the E.T. moment. And it moment. works. The E.T. Yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Only a, few, yeah. only a few actors can sell that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he did good. Yeah. Henry Thomas and Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just thinking of like that opening scene, like when Sarah dies, like. Right. He has like Pedro has to. I've been telling everybody, I'm like, if he can get me to cry when I watch him perform that scene, then I'll know he has me as Joel. Because, like, that's the moment. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I don't want to put too much stock into that moment because mm -hmm. it's such a sad moment anyways. Yeah. And the other half of that equation is whoever plays the daughter. Yes. How what she can bring. But what I am looking bring? forward to those scenes when... He gets to torture people, you know, like when he tortures mm -hmm. the guy in the chair. Yeah. Pedro Pascal doing that. And I've heard rumors that it might be Troy Baker that he's going to do that too, which would Ooh. be, yeah, yeah, which would be really interesting to see. <laughs> so speaking of Troy Baker, the original Joel. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Tro Troy Baker is one of the most, if not the most prolific voice, voice actor actors. working right now him and nolan north are definitely yeah. Yeah, they're like the right. godfathers Nor nolan north yeah yeah and i got well, to meet nolan north <laughs> oh that's awesome i would say the godfather would be the guy who plays mario right oh yeah what's his name i i can't I, remember I, his I name at the yeah, moment I, I i've seen him at cons i haven't met him but i've seen yeah. him. yeah yeah, and, but uh, I would say he's like the Godfather, and then I mean, Nolan North and <laughs> and uh, Troy Baker are the current kings. Definitely, definitely, yeah. If that makes sense, but yeah, Troy Baker—that's a name I know. I mean, I knew it before I played The Last of Us. So good, cool, cool. And then let's talk about Ellie for a little bit. The yes, the girl who's playing I forget her name, but she's in Game of Thrones. Her name's Bella Ramsey, which is funny. Her her real full, full name is Isabella, and I'm like, wow, wow. <laughs> it could have been you. A good moment for me. It could have been me. Look at that. <laughs> but I think she's gonna be super good. I do too. I didn't know who she was honestly when she was cast, but I looked up some of the clips of her in Game of Thrones, and I was like, this little girl is like a powerhouse. Like, yeah. look at her. I think she's going to bring it. And she has some of the most high stakes, emotional scenes, I think. Yeah. Like back to back to back to back. So I think she's going to bring it. And also she looks she looks like a little girl. Like, I know she's like that... 18 or 19, but like, doesn't but she, she looks look... like she's 13 or 14. 
Yeah, and that's the point. So that way you right. can get the intensity of like this crazy shit that's happening to this little girl and you understand why Joel's so protective of her. She, she's going to sell that, I think, so well. So I'm excited to see that. Because they could have easily got someone in their 20s and, you know. Definitely. But yeah. they got someone where it's like, oh, you like you need to protect her, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's really... Especially those moments with, like, the cannibal dude, David. Right. Right. I'm interested to see how far the first season goes. From what I have seen in the trailer and from what I've heard on the interwebs, it looks like it's the full first game. That's interesting. Um, Yes. Yes. Because I've I've been very active in the fandom with, like, updates for the filming and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I know... Somebody said that they were they saw a set where Pedro Pascal filmed quote massacre scenes in a hospital. So I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, <laughs> they did the whole game. Yeah, I've been. So I think yeah. I haven't been looking at anything because I don't want to set my expectations. You know, I might yeah. start playing because I for Christmas I got The Last of the... Us Part One remastered for the PS Five. So yeah, uh, I don't. I I think I'm gonna start playing that preparation not even that just because it's a good game and i haven't played it (laughs) in a little bit so (laughs) but this is a monster podcast there are a shit ton of monsters in the last of us i do think both human and actual infected well i was about to say i I think it borrows from that theme of the walking dead like who's the real monsters um which you can say the walking dead borrows from the classic George A. Romero films, especially mm-hmm. Day of the Dead. <laughs> yes. I think Day Did of the Dead were that. Yeah. Did you know that actually Neil Druckmann got to pitch his original rough? Well, Neil Druckmann is the creator of Last of Us. So mm. he got to he got to pitch his original rough draft of Last of Us to George Romero when he was in college, and George Romero did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I find that the most funniest and random thing, but I saw that in like a weird TED talk thing that Neil Druckmann did. And I was like, wow, I guess George Romero was wrong. <laughs> ah, or maybe he sees something we don't. Maybe he saw like part three. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in George, George A. Romero's defense, zombies have changed a lot since his iconic trilogy. And the, I don't want to call them zombies in The Last of Us. But the no, infected, they... yes, like infected. they are, they are their own things. I feel like they're in the zombie family. They but are, but they are yeah. their own monsters. And I want to start with the iconic clicker. Yes. Holy shit, the clicker <laughs> is terrifying. It's very scary. I think the stalkers are scarier, but like from a gameplay standpoint. But like the clickers, mm-hmm. I think in real in real life, that would scare me. Like, well, the the design of the clicker is just amazing. It's yeah, one of the most unique monster designs of the 2010s for sure. Yes, with like the like foreheads like cracked open and the mm-hmm. like mushroom stuff coming out and right. echolocation. Yeah. Um. So background information for people who don't know, I'm assuming at this point you've played the games because we spoiled mm-hmm. a lot. But yes. <laughs> Whatever. If you don't care about spoilers, I mean, you clearly don't if you made it this far. But <laughs> the infected in the Last of Us universe is from, I believe it's something called Cordyceps. 
Yes. And it's like this, it's a mushroom, right? It's a par- parasitic mm-hmm. mushroom that it's kind of based off of real life. There's a mushroom in real life that infects ants and then takes mm-hmm. over their bodies. And it's basically that on the human level. You mentioned the stalkers. Can you explain the stalkers to everyone? So on the stages, there's different stages that they all go through. So stalker is like right before clicker. Um, mm-hmm. They start they start kind of growing the weird little like mushrooms out of their forehead, like stalks here and there. And they literally stalk you. They'll hide behind like in the dark in different areas. And they kind of their voice, they start to kind of make that little clicking noise, but not enough. Um, and they'll jump out. Like the jump scares are real with the stalkers when you play them. So oh, I'm yeah. really excited to see how those will look in the show. Um, if they can get them to be as scary, like in that basement level in the hotel with the mm-hmm. stalkers scares me so much every time. <laughs> I had to pull it up real quick because, oh, yeah, I remember the stalkers now. Mm-hmm. I had my brain, my brain. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Block them out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I, I had to I had to bring them, bring them up. The stages are the runner, which is like the easiest ones they're basically Mm -hmm. zombies yes basically they just run Um, really fast yeah like 28 days later zombies um, are world war z zombies then it's the stalkers we just talk about they are terrifying (laughs) Mm -hmm. then you have the iconic clicker yes which the reason why they're scary for me is once you hear that clicking like the stalker (laughs) is a jump scare yes but it's the clicking that gives me tension. Anxiety. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And then there's the bloater. Can you explain the bloater to everyone? So it's basically like the final stage. They've been infected for like 10 or 20 years. They're like literally bloated, big, beefy dudes, giant. They have like uh, patches on them of uh, of like really hard armor almost of the fungus or mushroom whatever and they can like rip them off and create the spores and they throw it at you so you choke on that because then you're going to get infected and you will die and have to respawn but yeah they're the hardest to kill you typically have to use molotovs and bombs and yeah and then there's a variation of them in part two which is called the shambler yes they're basically the same but i think they're like a little smaller i wasn't sure on if they were like they're in advance, like past bloater, or if they're like right before, I I couldn't tell. But they like run a little faster, I think. Well, I think it's the because there's they're by so much water, that's why they develop differently than the boat yeah. bloater. Yeah, yeah. And then there's that big ass boss in part two, the, the Rat King. The Rat King. What the? It was fuck? gross. I know, I know. That was so gross. I think they were trying to like emulate a Resident Evil vibe. That was some scary shit. Like when it detached from like the bit. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! That took me forever to beat. Same. That part. Same. It was yeah. so hard. But <laughs> it was. Uh, these are scary ass monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how they how they do these creatures in um in these monsters in the show because yeah. something Special you can't effects. really well something you can't really do in a video game that you can do in a movie is play with shadows. 
Mm-hmm. And with this yeah. being like, I, I assume they're going to use like, like John Carpenter is a master of using shadows, you know? Duh. Yeah. The shape. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's like, you can use these cinematic techniques, not that video games can't be cinematic, mm-hmm. but it's different in a video game. Like attention right. in a video game's different than tension in a movie or a TV show. Yeah, definitely. But with The Last of Us, which is already a pretty cinematic video game, uh-huh. I think they can make the like the clickers really scary. Definitely. And I heard they have some top-notch like special effects people on their team that worked on Game of Thrones and the Witcher and I think Walking Dead. I could be wrong on that. But yeah, and the clicker that you see in that trailer, like that looked pretty real to me. Like that yeah. was Yeah. Or the bloat what did you think about the bloater? Did that look a lot like CGI too or like I don't remember. I don't remember it. I haven't seen the trailer since it came out. Oh, I watch it every day. <laughs> I I'm with that. I'm like that with the um with the Indiana Jones trailer. <laughs> yes, I mean that looks good too. That that is like, uh I am gonna be insufferable once that. that movie gets closer. I love <laughs> Indiana Jones, but but we don't want to go down. We don't want to go down that path. <laughs> right. <laughs> Consume us, it will. Um, <laughs> with uh, but yeah, with like the clickers and like I just hope that it's a good mix between between practical and CGI. I heard and that it is. I it looks like I don't it know. to me from what I remember, but yeah, I don't know if you listen to so the the uh, showrunner for The Last of Us. His name is Craig Mazin, and he did the Chernobyl show um Mm -hmm. on hbo he also has a podcast i listen to it a lot it's called script yeah it's called script notes and they talk about screenwriting stuff but on that podcast i was listening and um he was talking about how they do special effects and he mentioned something about how your best bet for special effects is a mixture of both like you what you were saying so like cgi and practical yeah he said that's how it actually looks the most real because if you rely on too much of one then you can tell it's fake so I I think it'll look real if they're doing both, like he said, like that's going to be sick. And if you think about the movies that look the best in the past couple of years, they do both. They're, they're the ones that doing both to the point where mm-hmm. it's like, where does a computer start in the practical end and vice yes. versa? Yes. Because I know a lot of people shit on CGI um, mm-hmm. because there's an overabundance of it, but like practical don't always work. It, yeah. You know? Yeah, like, definitely. Um, I, I get the appeal, but sometimes you can't do what you want to do with the practical effect. I think using both together, you can do some amazing things. Definitely. Like to take Star Wars, for example, which those shows and video games usually do a really good job of mixing both like baby yoda is a practical puppet he is but and he looks so real but they use cgi so they can green screen out the puppeteer or yeah Mm -hmm. digitally delete the puppeteer so Mm -hmm. so you're not confined like if you take gremlins you can only shoot gizmo a certain way or else you're gonna see the part in my pun gizmos controlling him the wires (laughs) and the puppeteers 
Whereas yeah. now with Baby Yoda, you just digitally delete the rods. Right. Right. <laughs> and the wires. So he can do whatever you can do anything with baby and you can do the same with gizmo if you made uh gremlins now for real you really could i know i know though from what i heard that they use like a big suit for the bloater in mm-hmm. the show and that like the clickers had like a like a mask thinking that they wore so i don't know we'll see how it looks we'll see and decide. well i don't know i don't know if you've seen this film yet i think you have but pray yes, did a really good job mixing both Cause that's a yeah. practical predator suit, but mm-hmm. then there's some really cool CGI enhancements that they did to hit did to him just to make him a little more unnatural, which yeah. I dig. And praise a badass movie. <laughs> it, yeah, I was gonna say I did really like that one. I I still obviously love Arnold's because that one's like the best, but yeah. this one did a really good job too of like paying homage to that one without it being cheesy either you know right. and i loved seeing i love seeing a female take on the predator i was like yes finally <laughs> <laughs> well she's great naru yeah i think yeah yeah that's such a great character and i just love how you basically do what arnie did right <laughs> get down in the mud and uh <laughs> yes yes you trick the predator you know and the little so, dog. The dog oh, deserved an Oscar. MVP. MVP. Yes. <laughs> My only complaint with Prey is that they didn't release it in theaters. Because that uh, movie yeah. would have made a lot of money. Yeah, and I think that experience in like a theater would be amazing, to be honest. I think, I think Prey would have ended Top Gun Maverick's uh, domination. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But Miles Teller, though, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It didn't really have any competition. In, uh, the, a big it's, reason yeah. why Top Gun Maverick did so well. One, it's a badass movie. Yeah. It still would have been the biggest movie of the year, I think, mm-hmm. as it should have mm-hmm. been. It's really good. Yeah. But its only competition was Jurassic World Dominion, mm-hmm. which I'm going to say nicely is a clusterfuck. <laughs> and of, Jurassic yeah. World Dominion still quietly made its bank. Mm-hmm, like, it did. That was a that made a lot of money. And then Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, any Marvel which, movie you go up against, yeah. But Thor: Love and Thunder didn't really do as well as, as Marvel usually does. Usually does, yeah. So they kind of lucked out with that one. <laughs> right, and it came <laughs> after. And it came after Doctor Strange. So yeah. so I, I don't so the reason why I think Prey would have stopped it is because Prey would have been mainstream enough. Because mm-hmm. August was pretty legit and it came out in August. Prey would have had to compete with Bullet Train. Oh that's yeah. the only issue. Because Bullet Train is yeah. the same audience. And Bullet Trains are really I really liked Bullet Train. But like Barbarian was able to make quietly make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then Smile in September made quite a bit of money. I don't yes. think. I don't think. I think Beast made its money, but I don't think Beast for those listening that's Idris Elba versus the Lion. I don't think Beast <laughs> challenged Top Gun. I don't think Bullet Train uh-uh. challenged Top Gun. Barbarian made a lot of money, but that's a different audience. Yes. Plus, Top, Top Gun got all the ladies coming in to see, you know, 
Miles Teller right. and Beach and so. Well, Top Gun, um, like I said, Top Gun's only real competition was Jurassic World Dominion and yeah. Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. But those weren't audience favorites like Top Gun was. Right. I think Prey would have stood up to Top Gun. I don't think Prey would have made Top Gun money, but Prey no, would have been the would've... number one movie. Yeah. Yeah. It would have kind of given it a run for a run for its money. So to speak. Prey would have Prey would have been the big movie. Yes. It wouldn't yes. have been as big as Top Gun. And that's not what no. I'm trying to say. But no. Prey would have been the movie that knocked Top Gun off. And it would have been the number one movie until Smile came out. <laughs> probably. I would have seen it in theaters. I probably would have seen it at least twice in theaters, to be honest. It was good. I liked it. Because I think Smile was the movie to truly knock knock off Top Gun. And when I yeah, say because it came back into theaters, didn't it? Top Gun for like a second time or something like that. Yeah, it came back in like December. But yeah. like because like Jurassic World Dominion was the number one movie the weekend it came out. And then Top Gun took mm-hmm. the number one spot back. Mm-hmm. I think Elvis. I love that movie. That was so good. I love Elvis, too. But I don't think it challenged Top Gun box office wise. I think it got close, though. I don't know. I, the numbers, it made its money, it but I don't know if it yeah. ever took the number one spot. No. I think Nope took the number one spot, but then Top Gun took it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I love Nope. Nope is one of my favorite movies of the year. Nice. It's my favorite. Nope is my favorite movie that features a killer alien from outer space. Really? Out of yeah. all the horror movies you've seen? Well, it's my favorite horror movie. <laughs> okay. Because I was going to say, um, what about the, xenom- the xenomorph? I mean, that's outer space, right? No, I'm talking about this year. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm Xenomorph, talking about this so... year. <laughs> okay. It, it it was only two. It was Nope and Prey. And I love both. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, The two that I've seen, there might be more killer alien movies, but I don't remember. Yeah. What came out this year. If any more came out this year is what I meant to say. But yeah, um, I think Prey would have been the number one movie two weeks in a row. Are very well the number one movie for a month until Smile came out. Mm-hmm. maybe barbarian could have taken it but smile was like a mainstream horror movie <laughs> yeah yeah and that was definitely. on top for a while because i think smile i think halloween ends came out had the number one weekend and then smile took it back took it yeah yeah and then terrifier 2 kind of snuck in there in october and made mm-hmm. a bunch of money out of nowhere and yeah. terrifier 2 was really interesting because that is not a mainstream movie, but it got it's mainstream attention. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I saw it everywhere, but I was like, that's yeah. too heavy for me to go watch. <laughs> N- yeah, that's an intense movie. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I liked it. Actually, I-, 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 I liked it quite a bit, actually. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Last of Us. <laughs> 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 I think The Last of Us is going to be a blockbuster TV show. I do too, and I think it might be like Emmy nominated. To be honest, I think it's gonna make House of House of the Dragon numbers, which I still need to contribute to. I still need to watch House of the Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) What are your? Oh, you're gonna ask me a question. (laughs) I was sorry. Okay. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, do you think that like Pedro Pascal might win an Emmy or be nominated for an Emmy for his role? Because I've heard talk of that already. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, he Pedro would be Pascal deserving of an, 
<laughs> he would be deserving of a nomination for sure, but I don't want to answer that question when it's the so only see. television show I know that's coming out <laughs> next year. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, that's true. And with it very likely being one of the only ones I watch, obviously I'm going to say, yeah, it deserves to be Emmy nominated. <laughs> yeah. But let's be real. I'm only going to watch that whatever star wars puts out and maybe a mike flanagan show because i think a mike flanagan's coming out with a new show next i still haven't watched midnight club speaking of mike I, flanagan i still haven't I watched haven't midnight even... club. Yeah. i'm bad with television <laughs> but i know i'm gonna watch the last of us i'm so excited for it mm -hmm. and i mean i i would be in camp pedro pascal winning the emmy yeah but I'm not the person to ask because I'm not going to watch that many shows, you know? <laughs> yes, same. It would be like you went up to someone who's like, hey, do you think Tom Cruise should be nominated for Best Actor? You'd be like, yeah. What movies have you seen? I saw this Doctor Pop Strange in Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, Tom Cruise would be the best actor in that pool. Right, right. But when you watch like a bunch of movies and yeah. you see a lot more. I don't think Tom Cruise gets in. And that's not to say Tom Cruise is bad because obviously he's great. But you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To answer your question, I would not be surprised if he got nominated for an Emmy. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be like, yeah, lock him in when <laughs> I don't know what else yeah. is coming out. Um, yeah. If you ask yeah. me about the Oscars, it's a different scenario, right? Right. Because we watch more movies than TV shows. Exactly. Yeah. So. I think The Last of Us, with the with the talent involved, who's behind it, mm -hmm. it should be an Emmy contender. And I think it, I, I I have faith. I, I think, think it, it will. Be. I know Chernobyl was, and that's uh, the same showrunner. So, which I want to watch Chernobyl. I read some of the scripts, and it's really really tight writing. So, and like the Emmys are have been pretty good with nominating genre stuff. Mm hmm. I've never really felt like they snubbed anything other than they snubbed Midnight Mass last year. Okay. I still have to watch that. I actually watched Midnight Mass, a f one nice. of the few shows. But that had some of the best acting I've seen in any project. Wow. And I don't think it got nominated for anything. Yeah. Which is kind of bullshit. But um, here's <laughs> but what's would... going against Last of Us. Yeah. It's a horror. Yes. Here's what's going for The Last of Us. It's also a drama kind of quasi-Western. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's not all. It's not 100% horror. So I think that mm -hmm. helps. Mm -hmm. What might hinder it is the fact that it is, it is horror. You would put it in the horror. Mm -hmm. Like... You could put it in the drama section. You could put it in the Western section. You could put it in the horror yeah. section. Yeah. But you would find it at a horror convention. But would they snub it because it's a video game adaptation? I don't That's think the question. so. I don't think that has anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because The Witcher was nominated, right? Just for special effects. A yeah. Start. But yeah. Diego Luna got nominated for Andor. Okay. I don't think... I don't think the worlds between Star Wars and video games are that different, you know? No, not really, no. 
So, and like Elizabeth Olsen was nominated for WandaVision. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the source material matters too much. Yeah. Because there's a lot of discourse about that, like, like video game and like cinema movie, like TV show adaptations and like their credit worthiness and stuff like that, you know? So I wonder if like the big wigs in Hollywood... You know what I mean? I think the big wigs in Hollywood are going to pay more attention to the fact that the the company behind Game of Thrones is putting out another Chernobyl <laughs> yeah. with one of the yeah. hottest stars in uh, with the Mandalorian. Like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, so definitely. They're like, it's a video game adaptation from the guys who made Game of Thrones, the showrunner behind Chernobyl starring the Mandalorian. Yeah, we're in. <laughs> yeah they see the dollar signs yeah i think yeah the fact that it's related to game of thrones and chernobyl people will overlook that it's a video game ad- i don't think a lot of people might know it's a video game adaptation unless they play yeah, video games for real i was thinking so, that same thing because i think the last of us is like mainstream video game but i don't know if it's mainstream mainstream until this show mm-hmm. yeah so like I'm, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're a horror fan. Terrifier was pretty big in the horror community. Mm-hmm. Terrifier 2 was mainstream. Yeah. So I think The Last of Us it got is a lot one of media of the... attention, too. That's why. Yeah. I think. So if you can spread it across the interwebs like that, then it gets into mainstream. And I don't think The Last of Us really got mainstream. I think a lot of people know it. I mean, it may, mm-hmm. I, like sold millions of copies. It's one of the most mm-hmm. popular video games ever made. Mm-hmm. That being said, the average person might be like, oh, I, I think that's a game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has zombies or something? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, unless you're a gamer, you don't really know it. Right. And then... But with this TV show, like everyone knows Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know, even if you haven't watched it. So so I think I think Last of Us is officially going to become true mainstream. Yes, which worries me a little bit. Like I'm it's I'm excited for that. But there's some concerns, too, with with that. You know what I mean? Right. Because like there are a few video game characters that are true mainstream. I think mm-hmm. it's Mario. I think yeah. it's Pikachu. Yes. I think it's Sonic. the Master Chief. Sonic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Animal Crossing. Stuff like that. Even then, I'm not sure if like the average person knows who Tom Nook is unless they play Animal Crossing. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if you went up to a random person and he was like, hey, who the fuck is Pikachu? They'd be like, it's that yellow Pokemans. Yes, but everyone like, hey, knows who. Do you Pikachu. know Tom Nook? They're like Tom, and they're who? like, who? I know Tom Cruise. Is that my name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise is mainstream. <laughs> and even then, like Master Chief is like one of those. Like, I want to do a Halo episode one day because the flood is horror. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like Master, like I think Master Chief kind of sneaks into true mainstream because I don't know if everyone like. If you go to a random person, it's like, hey, do you know who Master Chief is? And they'll be like, Master Chef? But everyone yeah. knows that armor. Yes. Everyone everyone be like, oh, the Halo guy. Yeah. So I they think that's the how he song. becomes. Yeah. I think I mm-hmm. think everyone knows. Mar- Obviously, everyone knows Mario. Everyone knows Pikachu. Everyone mm-hmm. knows Sonic. 
And Sonic move like the Sonic the Hedgehog movies kind of broke the curse of video game adaptations. That's that's what I heard, but like there were still some people that didn't like it that much. I think because they said it's like more for children, so it's going to do well. But I read in an interview someone said it was I think it was actually Neil Druckmann. He said he thinks that this show is gonna break that curse. So I don't know. I don't I don't know. I think the curse has already been broken for a little bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we've had some really good video game adaptations like Pokemon Detective Pikachu was a yeah. fine kids movie. That was good. I have not seen the Sonic movies, but a lot of people like them and yes. it made a lot of money. So uh-huh. as far as I'm concerned, those they are both successes. Um, Werewolves Within was a critically loved horror comedy that came out last year. Um, mm-hmm. it was it, it was true indie, so I don't think it made a bunch of money. But yeah, most people who watched it really liked it, including myself. And then The Witcher was a huge hit. Yes, I like The Witcher. That was that was really good. Although there's a lot of discourse around that too, because it's actually not based off of a video game. It's based off of the books. So video game fans and book fans argue all the time on the accuracy. So there's always something. Did Henry Cavill? Did he or did he not look like the video game version of that character? He did, like a hundred percent. So, so yeah, the video. It so yes, it's an adaptation of the book, but it's an adaptation of the video game. Right, right. But Last of Us is just the game, so we don't have books. Right, with that. <laughs> right, but I could see the Last of Us being the video game adaptation that I think the curse has been broken. Mm-hmm. But I think The Last of Us has a chance to redefine what a video game yes. adaptation can be. I think That's it a good has way to a chance. I think the what Last of Us could do for video games is what Game of Thrones did for books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'll get more people to play the game. That's that's right. my thing though, is I just I want people to still have an appreciation for games and not look down upon them and be like, you know, which is a greater medium because like film and and games are both just so good just for different reasons. And I think I just really hope that this will get more people to want to play the the games, at least the first one. Um, or at least appreciate it, it the storytelling yes. that is present because it's like this yes. came from a video game. Right, right. And I think because you're going to get people... The reason I'm excited for the show is because you're gonna have people who can watch it that don't they don't play games and maybe they're not good at playing games. You know what I mean? Like my parents, they they are used to Pac-Man. <laughs> like they can't right. they can't really do like the whole like controller thing on the PS4. But I love the story and I want them to experience it. And they're not gonna be able to experience it through the PS4 or PlayStation, obviously. So this is the best way that I can share it with them. You know, and I think a lot of people are going to be able to do that and share it with their friends. I've got other friends that like they don't play these types of games that are very mature and like heavy. Right. And I think but they'll watch like a TV show of it, maybe. So if you can like we can get that and like cross the mediums like that, I think that shows that it's like working and like breaking a boundary in a way that hasn't been broken before. So I'm curious to see how that comes to be and if any of that happens yeah so my final question for you today if you were 
on an adventure with Joel traveling <laughs> the post-apocalyptic United States. <laughs> and you find yourself separated and all of a sudden 1v1 with a clicker. Oh, no. Would you die? Like I'm 1v1, I'm 1v1 in the clicker? Yeah. That depends on what's in my backpack, what in my supplies. So what do I have? Do I have... Um, I'm, if you made it this far into the post-apocalypse, I'm pretty sure you have, like, your shanks and your knife and your yeah. snackies. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, if I have a nail bomb or a Molotov, I probably would survive. But if not, I would die. So, yeah. <laughs> Honest. I like it. Because <laughs> if you make it that far into the apocalypse, I'm sure you have some supplies. You know supplies. what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Would you die? Hi. I would not be in that position because I'd die first day. <laughs> No, <laughs> I I would not make it that far. So I would never see a clicker. <laughs> well, lucky for you. <laughs> I I would fall victim to the initial mayhem. No, I'd like to think I'd make it kind of far. Maybe I, if I, I had a I, jewel. I don't know if you like one of my favorite things is when people are like, you know how they have like prompts on dating apps. Yes. Like one of the most popular ones is <laughs> what's your zombie apocalypse uh, survival plan? And mine is like, <laughs> Nothing. I'll die. die. <laughs> How did I know like, you were going to say what? that? <laughs> because right. like, I mean, I'm sorry. Not only do I not want to live in the post apocalypse. Yeah. I'm a suburban boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I, I am honest with myself about my chances uh -huh. in the in the zombie apocalypse. They ain't good. I need my movies. You need your movies to survive. My movies, exactly. If I can't, if I can't watch a movie a day, and you can't do that <laughs> in the post-apocalypse. Like, no, your life would be a movie. So you could be living a movie. That no, no. Well, t technically, we're all living a movie. So. Technically, we're all the main character. Exactly. <laughs> Except me. I'm the main main character. <laughs> so, but yeah, that is The Last of Us. Where can the peeps find you should you want to be found? So you can find me on Twitter. Um, I am under uh, Isabella Anna and my at is at abditory thought. So it's a b-d-i-t-o-r-y and then i have the link to my uh blog there and my bio if you want to check it out it's the abditory thoughts.wordpress.com i'm on there rambling about last of us currently a lot so if you want to be annoyed of me talking about pedro pascal and troy baker and all things video games follow me on twitter hell yeah and definitely follow her because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of live tweeting in the weeks to come. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to my friend Isabella for joining me to geek out about The Last of Us. Are you excited for the show? It's only a few days now. I can't wait. On this segment of I Know What You Watched Last Week, in which I tell you about the horror films I watched since the last episode, I've had two rewatches from 2022, Pearl and The Menu. Both are excellent films. I also got to see Megan, which I loved. The film is camp and fabulous. 
with strong characters and a story filled with heart. Megan proves herself to be a horror icon in the making, and if we can get a sequel, I think icon status would be cemented for sure. If you're interested in this part of the podcast, follow me at Letterboxd at TaurusAU so you can see all the movies I log and see my little itty bitty reviews. If you're enjoying the Would You Die podcast, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. Podcasting is hard, and I need all the help I can get to get this little podcast to grow. If you want to help support the podcast financially, I do have a Buy Me a Coffee page. I'll put the link in the episode description, but it is buymeacoffee.com slash show. There's absolutely no obligation to donate, but any little bit will help this podcast so, so much. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, you can now follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast. But it's mostly shit posts of gizmo dancing to random music I find. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week on the Would You Die podcast, we are celebrating the 50th episode. That is insane. Thank you to everyone who's listened, supported the podcast, and helped me to reach this milestone. I love and appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.